Thank you for listening to this podcast of the teaching of Walford Kaufman. This series is on the book of Revelation. Please get your Bibles out as this episode gives us an introduction of this wonderful book. This particular study of the book of Revelation is on Revelation, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 14. And the title would be The Worthy One. Let's recap where we are at this particular point in the book of Revelation. The scene is the throne of God in heaven. Those present are the cherubim. You know, those are the four beasts, as we would think of, the 24 elders, and the Holy Spirit, but in its sevenfold glory. And the feelings, well, they're threefold, and they're displayed through hymns. They're singing and praising. The first feeling is there's anticipation of the divine judgment upon earth. And that's lived out in chapter 6 through 19 of Revelation. Also, there's a feeling of celebration, celebrating God as creator and redeemer. He can create it. He can buy it back. He can redeem it. And then rejoicing that God is going to take back what is his. So that's the threefold feelings there. And they're all displayed through hymns. And then as we get in here, we look and see how John is saying he is there. He saw this. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 here. Verse 1 specifically. And then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. So John is saying, yes, I am an eyewitness. This is not what I dreamed about. This is what I was able to see as the Lord had transported him in the spirit to see this in heaven. And then you see the writing on the inside and the outside. That is to say, this was a complete message. A complete message. There was nothing to be left out. And then there were seven seals. In Roman days, the Roman wheels were sealed up with seven seals. But this is not really a wheel, but this is a title to the deed on earth. Yes, this is that deed that says this earth belongs to the Lord. But it's not a, a descriptive deed. If you've ever bought a piece of property, you know they've said at such and such point there's a marker and it goes so many feet this way. And this this is not a descriptive rec- record of the deed, but more of a description of how he will regain his inheritance. Regain, yes, in his inheritance, we think of something in the future. But this is something he is regaining from what he already owns. See, a scroll of doom, some look at this. Some think it of as, as a scroll of judgment, and it was. It was a scroll of doom and judgment, but let us be reminded, it was also a scroll of redemption. Of redemption. There we see the Lord is going to redeem the world from Satan. And if you want to have some interesting reading, look at Ezekiel, the second chapter, 9 through 10. Ezekiel, that's right, Old Testament, Ezekiel 2, 9 through 10, and you will see this same identical description of a scroll. That's how the Lord works. I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, what is to come is in the Lord's will. And then we see the search for the worthy one. Verse 2, 
And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Here we see the announcement comes for the strong angel. And we'll see several references of this strong angel in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, and chapter 18, verse 21. Some think this was Gabriel. Some think it's Michael. But here, the way it's listed, this is an anonymous, this is an unknown angel. The emphasis is not on angel, but the message that he shared. And the loud voice had one purpose. That is to penetrate the universe. There was not going to be one part of this universe, one inch of this universe that would not hear this message from this angel. It could not be said later on, well, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I didn't know that. And so this is the reason for that loud voice. And then seeking one worthy to open the book and to break its seal. So what you're seeing here is this announcement. Yes, so everyone would hear, but also everyone know they are not worthy. There's only one that's worthy, and we know that's the Lamb. But notice in verse 4, it says that John wept and he wept. Well, that terminology, that Greek word we have for weeping is the same Greek word that was used for Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. As he looked upon the city, he cried. That's his kind of weeping. And the same Greek word that Peter, uh, that was used to describe Peter after he had betrayed Jesus. So that's how intense this weeping of John was. But this is the only time in Scripture that tears are seen in heaven. The only time in heaven that I mean, that is described in heaven uh, in the scriptures that we see about crying. Wow, that's going to be a special place. No more tears. See, Jesus, um, excuse me, John wept. He wept in his desire to see the world without evil, without sin, and without death. See, we cry tears because there is evil. Because there is sin. There is death. We, we weep because of the pain. Here John is weeping because he has this desire that one day there's going to be a world where no more evil, no more sin, no more death. But now we see the selection of the worthy one. The selection of the worthy one. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came in and took the scroll, from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. There we see the lion of the tribe of Judah. This comes from the blessing 
that Jacob received in Genesis 49, 8-10. But the see, the Jews expected the Messiah to come from the Lion of Judah. And that meant he would be a strong leader, a fierce leader. He would be a deadly ruler. So that as we look at this, we realize they had the right idea. They just had the wrong timing. See, they looked at the Messiah. They thought at that time he would be the strong one, the fierce one, and the deadly ruler. With Jesus coming the first time, he was that lamb. But when he comes again, when he comes to claim his church, when he comes in his rightful power, just think, he will be that lion of Judah. And then that remark about the heir to David's throne. When you look at the lineage of Jesus. Jesus was a descendant of David on both his father and his mother's side. And there we see Jesus is the only one worthy because of who he is and for what he is. On both counts. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. At the same time, he was from he, what is, he's from David's throne. But first, he had to be the Lamb of God. There's a reference to that in John 1, 29. But the Greek word for lamb here refers to a pet lamb. Look over there in Exodus, the 12th chapter. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, you see a very interesting scripture as it talks about this particular idea of a lamb. Exodus, the 12th chapter, and we look at verses 3 through 6. In there, we see what his family was called to do. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family one for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. And the animals, the animals you must choose must be year old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And that same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with the bitter herbs and bread and made without yeast. There we see a description of the Lamb of God, this this innocent little lamb that had to live with a, a, a family. How rough this had to be. Just think, choosing a, a little innocent lamb and then keeping it in your home and then killing it. But they wouldn't have the way it was with Jesus. He came and lived among us and he was innocent. But then he had to shed his blood for us. But the use of the word lamb here for Christ is used only once in the whole Old Testament. But it's used four times in the New Testament, excluding Revelation. But here in the book of Revelation, this word that we have for lamb was used 31 times. 
So there is a lot of emphasis there. A lot of emphasis about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ being that innocent lamb. But this here in Revelation, this is no everyday lamb. He's alive, but he's standing though as he looked like he was slain. He has the power, he has the strength as this lamb to stand, but he has the visible effects. He has been killed. He has paid the price, but he is victorious enough over death to now stand. And he had seven horns. These symbolize strength and power, those horns. They symbolize perfection. And then he had seven eyes that represent perfect understanding and knowledge. Seven being perfect, but the eyes means he saw everything as it should be. We have a tendency, we look at something and we don't see the whole picture. Uh, we don't get the whole message. But when the Lord, you think about this, seven eyes. Well, we know our Lord doesn't have to have seven eyes. But this the representation, he has complete understanding what we're going through don't pull this thing of well the lord doesn't understand what i'm going through yes he does he knows everything you're going through and he is there to give you victory and then the ultimate goal of redemption is about to be seen paradise will be regained think about it paradise eden you remember that adam and eve walked in this perfect garden with the Lord, they talked, they shared, they loved. And it was man that pulled away from God. God did not pull away. It was man that pulled away and thought he could do better. But here we see that in the book of Revelation, that paradise, yes, Eden, will be restored. And then the song of the worthy one, verses 8 through 14. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the four, uh, twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousands. You hear that? Let me read that again. I'm messing up a little bit. But look at that. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. I got it right that time. And they encircled the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, singing to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So we see here that the praise breaks out for now. Sin and death will be defeated forever. See, the curse 
will be reversed. Yes, the curse will be reversed. It will be gone. The remnant of Israel will be saved. And the church will reign with Christ. Oh, we have so much to praise God for. But the convincing proof of Christ's deity. See, it says... There is heart, the harp. Oh, uh, let me go back and, and just emphasize that again. The convincing proof of deity. What we see here, you are worthy, and they fell down to God. See, before, the only one they fell down to was God on the throne. Now, these, uh, the beast, the uh, 24 elders, they fall down before the Lord. That proves that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is as powerful. A lot of times we want to say, here's part one, part two, part three, but let us remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all the same. And that's what the Scripture here is really emphasizing, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then the idea of the harp. That's associated in the Old Testament with worship. You see that in Psalms 33 verse 2, Psalms 71 verse 22. Also, you see, anytime you see the idea of harp, it deals with prophecy. That's in 2 Kings 3.15 or 1 Chronicles 25.1. So that harp, anytime you see that in the scriptures, worship and prophecy. And then bowls. These bowls represent the priestly work of intercession for the people. That's in 1 Kings 7.40. These bowls were representing the, the, how the priest used to go before God and taking these bowls representing the prayers of the people. Aren't you glad we don't have to go through a priest? We don't have to go through a, a pope to get to the Lord. We can go straight to Him. But that's what these bowls represent. And then incense. That represents the prayers of the saints. You'll see that in Psalm 141 verse 2. So pull this all together, folks. Look at this. We've got the harps. We've got the bowls. We've got the incense. What that means, that all the worship of all time, all the prophecies, all this great prophecy that we've had, look in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Now look at Revelation. And then all the prayers. I mean, think of every prayer that's been lifted up. Think of a little child in a Sunday school class. Think of that elderly person in the nursing home. Think of all the worship services and all the prayers. So we got we got the harps, the bowls, and the incense that all the worship, all the prophecies, and all the prayers are now finally being fulfilled. They're all coming together. And then they sang a new song. Anytime you see that, idea they sang a new song as it says in verse 9 it is always a song of redemption a redemption song we're being purchased by the blood of christ and by that we are being made worthy because the lamb who was slain this this lamb that has power and wealth and wisdom and strength that precious lamb that we are to honor We are to glory in and we are to praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's coming together now as we think of this book of Revelation. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Let us live this out in our life. Lord, let this study of Revelation not be just 
a word-by-word book-type study, but that we take time to praise you and worship you and honor you today with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.